What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. All right, what's up, Gravel family? We are back for another episode of Women's History Month. So we, we have to have another pretty badass woman on the podcast. Super excited. Um, this guest has been around Gravel for a long time, and she has many different hats inside Gravel too. So it's pretty awesome. So she was the 2022 Outspoken Award winner uh, for Coach of the Year. Uh, she also is a Shimano-sponsored gravel athlete, a wife, a dog mom, and she is also the 2022 75-mile Gravel Worlds champion. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kristen Legan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's awesome to have you. How have you been? Oh, good. Yeah, just uh, getting through winter. You know, I live out in Colorado, so dealing with the snow and cold and just getting ready for the, the spring gravel season coming up. How much snow do you think you've gotten this year so far? Well, a lot. I live up in the mountains, so basically, you know, we have probably a foot of snow on the ground right now, just normal, but it snows pretty regularly. But, um, but I make it down to Boulder pretty, you know, often, and uh, we'll get to ride down there, and there's not too much left at this point. Nice. Yeah. When I, when I was out in Boulder a few weeks ago, we hung out, and I told you one of the, my favorite things about your Instagram account is like, you never have any drama or anything like that. And then like, sometimes you're like, oh, here's a moose in my backyard, like, or an elk or something. I was like, that's like, your Instagram's always the best. And of course, there's lovely dog pictures too. Yes. Yeah. Will you tell all of our listeners what kind of dogs you have? Because your dogs are a huge part of your life. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They're, they're my children. Um, so yeah, I have two healer mixes, just little rescue dogs. Um but yeah, they're just super active and we go, you know, romping through the mountains pretty much every day and come across wild animals pretty often. But luckily we've been, uh, you know, safe so far. But yeah, it's, it's pretty good. That's so fun. Do you do any other like winter sports or I guess, quote unquote, Colorado sports other than cycling? <laughs> yeah, this year I got into skiing a bit more. I grew up in Colorado, so I, I skied growing up and then kind of like lost the love for it and then. Now that we're up in the mountains and I'm, you know, 15 minutes away from the slopes, uh, I got back into it this year and doing some, you know, uphill backcountry stuff as well, which is really, really hard. Um, but it's nice because you're just out there kind of on your own. Again, it's just like going for a big walk in the woods, um, but on skis. So, yeah. So do you do the like the skins where you ski, uh, uh, like ski up and then ski down or hike up kind of hike up with your skis and then ski down? Yeah, exactly. You can pull the skins off at the top and then just do a normal run down. That's I like every time I've gone skiing, I, I try to go once or twice a year. And it's like every year, there are more and more people are doing that. You see it like in the morning. It's like they get up at like 4 a.m. before the lifts mm -hmm. open and then they literally have first run of the mountain. It's so crazy. I can't can't imagine. I ran into one guy at Scratch Labs that he said he does that all the time and he brings his his dog with him. So his dog like walks, does like a couple mile walk up oh and gosh. then just runs as hard as they can downhill when they downhill. It's Holy like cow. that's such a good morning workout. No kidding. Where is yeah. your favorite place to ski? Um well right now I've spent a lot of time over just at Eldora. It's our local hill. It's you know, it's great. It's nothing special in terms of like, you know, the big mountain stuff, but you know, having it yeah. just around the corner is is worth worth it all. For sure. Awesome. 
So what is, let's just kind of get into it. What, what is your cycling story? When did you, I'm sure you rode as a kid, like, like the average person, but when did you, when did that like passion change into like, Oh, I'm really good at this. And like now my whole life's (laughs) built around this. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I grew up riding my bike to school, like a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I was a competitive swimmer growing up and swam D1 in, in college. Um, but then got into triathlon after that. And ended up um, racing pro triathlon for about five years and had a blast doing that, but was just, uh, I'm not a great runner. And um, that's obviously a big part of triathlon. So just uh, fell in love with riding bikes um, through through tri. And then I was actually really, just a really special thing I got invited to do. Um, this thing called the Rev Tour in 2012, where there were six women and we got to ride the entire Tour de France route um, one day ahead of the men's pro peloton. And it was, you know, to try and help, like, kind of keep pushing people to think about, you know, a women's Tour de France. And um, and so I got to do that, and that was where it just really sealed the deal for me with bikes, where it was just like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. This is all I want to do. Um, and so from that point on, it was kind of transitioning from that triathlon world into just full on bikes. And since then it's been kind of everything, you know, I've raced cyclocross for a while, road cycling, um, and then got into gravel pretty early thanks to my husband, Nick, um, and his love for, for unbound, you know, decade and plus ago. And so, um, that's just kind of where I got into gravel and, uh, yeah, we've just been exploring all the different types of riding and types of, uh, events since. What was that experience, uh, doing with the Tour de France? Like, was it, I, re- I remember that pretty vividly. I, I think I yeah. knew that you were on that, but then had forgotten. So what was that? I mean, that was an incredible headline at yeah. the minimum um, and the awareness that you all were bringing. But I'm sure the experience itself was magical on your end. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, really big highs and really big lows, you know, and like you would expect over 21 days of riding, you know, all day, every day. Um, but yeah, the, the women that I was riding with were just absolutely amazing. Like Kate Pallison is still one of my best friends. Um, and the hard thing about that tour, that, that ride was, you know, you see the, the, the tour on, um, on TV and, you know, the roads are closed and they just have the big Peloton pulling everybody together. And we had six women and it can get really windy out there. And so you only have the six people to work with or hide behind. Um, and then you're riding down the middle of a, a giant highway because it's not closed for us. So there were definitely some some points where I was like, yeah, I don't want to ever go back and do this exact thing again. Um, because it was just, it was so, so hard. Um, and obviously we weren't racing, so that, that helped. But um, but I would go back and do every single climb, um, you know, every mountain pass possible, because that was, that was really magical to be out there. Um, and seeing the fans too, you know, they were already caravanning up and, you know, hanging out on the side of the tourmalet and, and they were cheering us on as we were climbing. So that was pretty, pretty amazing. That's awesome. So what was the back end of it? Did you guys have sponsors to go and do this? Did you do it by yourself? Yeah, we had um, a couple of sponsors. So one of the big things was Cannondale was launching a, a new women's bike, uh, Super 6 Evo, I believe it was. Um, so they kind of launched the the women's climbing, you know, all around bike with us. And then um, Heidi Swift, she was, I think she was kind of the one that kind of put the uh, event together. Um, she was writing for Peloton magazine at the time. And so she did a big feature and was kind of like, um, you know, blogging along the way and then did a big feature in the magazine. 
Um, and then a big component of it, component of it was uh, for people for bikes um, and just raising money for for that organization as we went as well to you know help make riding more accessible and, and safer in the U.S. itself. That is really inspiring. That's really cool. Did you run into like issues because like the next day roads would be shut down? So like were they I, was there like road work or you know preemptive stuff that they're like no you can't come this way because the race is tomorrow or was it kind of just roads <laughs> with cars on it? Yeah, it wasn't shut down too much. I mean, a few of the towns would maybe start doing that, but the it's such a traveling circus. The tour, like you know. Th- we would leave before they would even start setting up because they were on the, the, the stage the day before, you know? And so we were always one day ahead, but like we would, um, we would get to like the quote unquote rest day or, you know, a time trial day where it's a shorter day. And we would then go back to the, watch the men's race and then get to see that. Um, so yeah, we didn't run into too much of like construction side of things. It was just more of the fans that were kind of finding their spots early and and being there a few days before the the race comes through. That's really cool. Was there like a particular day that stuck out to you that was like your favorite day of that entire experience? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the first day we got to the hills, because it it was like the kind of a traditional tour setup where it was like the first week was a lot of flat, kind of a lot of windy, big open roads. And then you get into the, I think we went to the Alps first um so we got into switzerland and like as soon as we crossed the border like all the cows were on the mountainsides on like the green slopes with their (laughs) bells hanging from their necks and you just hear this like twinkling going on and so that was pretty um pretty special to just it was like the entry into the fun stuff that's crazy so so we have (laughs) to know which is harder alp de zwift or alto alp de huez uh, well, that, I, that was the year we didn't get to do Alpe d'Huez. So I've never ridden Alpe d'Huez, which I would oh, love no. to go no. um, Yeah, I did. You know, we got to do the Madeleine, the Tourmalet. Um, and we actually, it was the first year for the uh, La Planche de Buffy, um, which uh, has now become like pretty staple in the in the tour. And so that was pretty cool because nobody had like, we set a lot of the QOMs on that tour because um you know people hadn't ridden some of the the climbs that we've done so it was pretty pretty cool to uh come away with all of the the big qoms around there and then of course the women's race comes through and like destroys us but (laughs) it's great (laughs) did you guys get to do any fun touristy stuff like eat at any local restaurants once we got to paris we you know a bunch of us or the the six of us we stayed around um for a couple of days and, and, you know, obviously we watched the, the final of the, uh, of the tour and then just did all of the fun Paris things. So, but then by that point, you know, you're just so smoked. You're like, ah, oh, just lay me down in a hotel room for a couple of days and put my legs up. Cause I'm just, uh, not much of a human right now, <laughs> but, uh, no but kidding. just getting I to see imagine. the countryside. Yeah. yeah. Was that, is that the hardest cycling challenge you've ever done? Yeah. I don't know. Unbound XL was pretty hard too. Um, in a different way, much more in a different way, way I yeah. guess. But yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, I'd say for sure. I mean, it might, like the physical side was tough, but also just the mental side of, um, yeah. I mean, it's just stressful out there, and so there were there were moments I didn't think we were gonna make it to the finish. One of our one of our ladies got hit by a car, um, oh so we spent, you know, one night in the hospital, and um, so yeah. So I think the the emotional and physical side of that tour was. Uh, was much harder than the physical, sorry, the mental and the emotional side was much harder 
than the physical, uh, at least looking back, you know, what, 11, 12 years ago. So, At what day were you like, did you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I do not want to do this today. Like, was there a day? Cause there, I mean, every tour de France rider, like there's fine. There's a right. day at some point where they're like, my yeah. body is wrecked. So like yeah. what, yeah. what point for you, for you all, when you had less resources, less drafting, like, were you just like, oh, I don't want to do this today, but I'm going to have to do yeah. it. <laughs> so it's crazy what the body can do. So I, I always say, you know, the between like, usually for most people between like the fifth day and like the seventh day, there's something that just kind of clicks. And um, I've experienced this coaching people with bikepacking and then doing my own bikepacking as well. If you're doing a longer kind of stretch, Um, you know, you get through like you get to day three and you're like, oh, man, my body's feeling really tired. Everything hurts, something like that. And then, you know, fourth day gets a little bit worse. And then sometime in like that fifth, sixth or seventh day, you wake up and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm a superhuman. Like I can do anything. And it's just you're there's something again I don't know if it's a mental thing or if your body just kind of gets into the rhythm of it but it just becomes normal and um and then you just feel great you know you're like yeah I can climb that mountain sure throw another one at me it's great I'm I'm good (laughs) I got it um so I I remember uh, specifically the day we were out on the shore somewhere and it was just like we all woke up and we're like okay we got this like we can do this we know we can make it to Paris so that's pretty cool well, switching gears, so you mentioned Unbound a little bit. You've done the XL. How many times have you done the Unbound XL? So I've started twice and I've finished once. I had a knee issue on the first. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited to do the, the first year of Unbound XL, but unfortunately I'd crashed a, uh, like a week before Unbound and at another race and kind of banged up my knee. And so I got to about 200 miles in and was just like, I got to pull out like there's just I'm going to do serious damage if I keep going. So, um, so yeah, so 50% success rate, but, uh, but the second year I went back in it and it was great and I had just a blast and, um, and I'm going back this year. So, you know, obviously making great decisions. <laughs> That's fun. Have you done other distances of unbound? Um, not in one go, you know, I do some bikepacking and, and that kind of thing where it's multiple days, but that's the longest one day event that I've, that I've done. And I haven't done, you know, like with gravel worlds, they have the, the long voyage. And, um, so I haven't done that one either yet. So that's also potentially on the list. We're going to see how that goes yeah, this you, year. But, um, uh, yeah. Nick needs to come do the 300 and you and Nick do the 300 together. Yeah, I know <laughs> that would be interesting. We've never raced together. Um, and, you know, there's always, you know, there's always the controversies of like women and men racing together and especially mm, husband yeah. and wives kind of doing that stuff. So we, we make it pretty clear that we're not anywhere near each other. I mean, he's also just more focused on like having a great time and pushing hard and being, you know, social. And I'm more of a head down. Don't talk to me. I just want to keep riding hard. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we could it get would around be that with doing tandem. <laughs> You, you may keep your head down, but I will say my you blasted the doors off uh, the group my wife was riding with on the 50k when you were finishing the 75 last year, and you you were like, "Great job, ladies!" Like you, you were like being really nice. So you may have your head down, but you're like also like kind to other people. So just so well, you know, you know, it's bike racing. We're all out there together doing our own thing. So it's it's, it's fun. You gotta you gotta be part of it. Well, in addition to 
racing and riding, you've also become a coach. Uh, you won the 2022 Outspoken Award winner for Coach of the Year, and you are the official coach of Unbound. Um, one, that's a huge job. Um, two, what is your coaching philosophy and style? Um, yeah, no, I've been coaching for a long time. Um, kind of grew up coaching, you know, in the swimming world as well, and then got into you know, triathlon coaching when I was racing try. I just, I love the science and the of sport. Um, and I've had the, you know, an incredible opportunity to work under some incredible coaches, um, Neil Henderson and Grant Holicky, and just have like learned so much from all of them. But then when, you know, gravel came about, there weren't a lot of people racing or coaching gravel, you know, this kind of ultra endurance stuff. So it's been fun to be in that on the earlier side of things and just be learning that process and, and, you know, it's, it's different than training somebody for a crit, you know? And so it's, it's been a lot of trial and error. And, um, so my philosophy, you know, is, I don't know, I'd say it's pretty generic in terms of saying everybody's really different. Um, and so everybody needs something a little bit different. And so there isn't one, you know, one system or one coaching plan that's going to work for everybody. And it's really about, finding um, finding the kind of the, the system with each athlete that works best for them, that gives them enough work, but also enough rest. Um, I think as, as athletes, a lot of us um, have really high expectations for ourselves. And so we always expect ourselves to train harder, put more miles in, you know, why am I not, you know, able to just keep going all the time. And, and a lot of that is, is we need to be pulling back a little bit more and resting um, so that I'd say that's a that's a big philosophy of mine is just making sure we're not overdoing it, um, especially as uh, people that have families and lives and um, work. You know, it's it's we're not pros. We're not out there racing or riding, you know, 30 hours a week, week in, week out for training. You know, a lot of us have other things we're uh, responsible for. So it we can't mimic what those folks do. And so it's just finding like what is the. Um, the best balance for each athlete and, and how to make them feel strong, feel confident, you know, and, and train hard, but not, you know, sacrifice everything else in their life um, while they're doing that. That's awesome. I, I can't, I've, I've never had a coach and, but I feel like I, I should at some point. Cause it's like, even if I'm yeah. at, like, I'm never going to be a first place person, but like we all have goals, like everybody, whether you're doing, a 50 K ride or a 300 mile ride. And whether you're trying to get first place or just finish, like having a coach mm -hmm. and kind of like just having that accountability is, is really important. I think. Yeah. And just that individuality, yeah. like you mentioned, just how you cater. Every person is unique. So you're going to make a unique plan for everybody. That's really important. Um, how many students or athletes, I guess, do you have under you right now? Um, so it really depends like throughout the season, you know, obviously we're about right now when we're recording, we're about four months out or three and a half months out from Unbound. Um, and that's where I get quite a bit of athletes just because of my relationship with Unbound, obviously. Um, so I have about 12 athletes at this point. Um, I try and keep things pretty small personally, just because I think 
having, you know, I, I treat coaching as kind of this holistic thing where, you know, we're talking about your equipment and, you know, what tires you should be running, what tire pressure, you know, your bike setup, that kind of stuff. Like I go into all the different things and the mental side, you know, should we be doing some mental prep, um, visualization, that kind of thing for your, for your ride out there. So I keep things on the smaller side, but just more like the, the more intensive side, um, to help people kind of just feel good and feel confident out there. One question we get a lot with gravel worlds and I'm sure, you know, unbound like 200 and us at 150 miles. A question we get is like, what's the longest ride I should do before the race and wh- how far out should that be? Yeah. So like for 150 miles with mm-hmm. gravel worlds or 200 with unbound, like what if you obviously don't do the full distance, it's kind of like a marath- marathon training. You don't right. do the full distance before. <laughs> so like, what's your go-to recommendation for those? Yeah, but you're not going out and doing, you know, 150, 200 miles a day before your race. What what are you doing? Um, (laughs) No, I think it's um, It's course recon. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. You got to see the full course. No, I think, um, again, I think it depends on the athlete and what their training's been up to that point. But I'd say around the 75 mark, 75% mark is a good one. Um, Certainly up to like 100 miles or maybe 150 miles once you get into you know your training for 200 um it it depends you know again sorry that's going to be an answer for a lot of it but it just depends on that but um you know i think like 120 130 is a good spot and then if you need to do a little bit more you can add it on what has been one of your favorite stories to come out from your athletes um that you've trained um oh i have a great answer for that so um, one of the athletes, I'm not working with her currently, but she has just been such a rock star for me um, or working with me. Uh, her name's Sarah Kimmel. She's from Kansas. Um, and she is just such a goer, you know, just somebody that, you know, she sees the 200 at Unbound and she's like, I have to do that. Or last year, she'd never ridden a mountain bike, but she saw Leadville and she's like, I'm going to go do Leadville. And, you know, she lives in Kansas where there's not so many mountains to go train on, you know, at least where she lives. Um, and, but she was just like, I can do this. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. But, um, but the big thing with her is that each year, the last few years she would get, she, she got injured pretty badly. So she tore an ACL going into unbound two years ago. And then this year she, she broke her collarbone like the week before unbound, but then was able to recover in time to do, uh, Leadville in August. And so, um, you know, just seeing her, like the, the way she attacked her recovery and, and her rehab process was so inspiring. Like I've never seen somebody so dedicated to rehab before. Um, it was incredible. And she came back, you know, she was able to make the, turn her season around and have these incredible races that were just like so emotional because she put so much of her, you know, soul into, into getting just even to the start line. And then to see her go and, and have great races and, and something that she could be really proud of. Um, it, that's, yeah, just going to forever be, you know, some of my favorite memories with uh, with coaching is, is seeing that kind of that comeback story. Well, that's so important because giving yourself grace to be able to recover and heal your body when all you want to do is go, go, go and train, train, train. You're not going to be able to get the results you want if you're racing to the start line instead of taking care of your body first yeah no that's a great point it is um it's it's easy you know just like being sick like it's so easy to be like oh i'm fine i'm fine i can keep training through it it'll be fine and and all we do is just set ourselves back even farther so 
um, taking the time to let your, as you say, like giving yourself the grace, the the time to just really feel good again, you know, feel healthy again. That's the the first most important part of it. And then, you know, that opens up the doors for being able to do all the, the big things that we like to do. So, um, yeah, definitely an important part of it. You, from knowing you and then just hearing you talk, you clearly care about your clients or your trainees, I guess. So if somebody <laughs> is interested in um, having you as a trainer, how can they reach out to you? Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, my, my coaching company is called Rambler Coaching. It's kind of a funky, funky name. Um, it's R-A-M-B-L-E-U-R. It's very French. Uh, Rambler. So it's Ram- <laughs> Rambler <laughs> Um Or, you know, I'm on all the socials, Kristen Legan, um, you know, yeah, however is easiest for, for people to reach out. Awesome. Uh, I feel like this episode is going to have a theme of just highlighting all the hats that you wear. So we're going to the next hat. You also have a PR company. Um, what's What's been yeah. your um, biggest challenge of becoming a business owner and having world-known clients um, in the PR world and mar- helping with marketing and all that stuff? It's it's pretty incredible, all the stuff you do. But what's that been like being a business oh, owner? Yeah, I love it. I, I really love it, actually. So um I, yeah, so I also have a PR agency um, and we work with some, you know, it's all involved in the cycling world. So we work with cycling brands. Um, And, you know, I think just being able to kind of have different, um, being able to work with different people in different ways, I think that's really helpful because you just see so many different perspectives and you kind of get a good kind of overall view of things. And so, you know, being on the the more technical side, I come from a, journalism background i worked for velo news back you know man like eight years ago i was at one of the tech editors there and so having just kind of that full uh perspective of everything going on in the tech world and then also you know having bringing that to the coaching side of things to help athletes get their bikes set up and and stuff so it's it's nice because it is it's a bit varied and that's another reason why i keep my kind of athlete roster small is so that we can kind of uh you know be able to work with everybody that i need to but, um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, the most challenging thing is just, it's, it's always changing. And so it's just keeping up with, um, you know, with, with everything going on and, and making sure all the clients and the athletes and everybody's happy and taken care of. Incredible. Yeah. When we're, again, when I was out there in Boulder, it was like, you were like jumping between meetings from all these different clients and then you're like, oh yeah, we can have dinner. That's cool. Like, I was like, are, are you sure? Like you seem, you seem way more important than me. You don't have to meet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So let's, yeah, let's it was, take it was a really step back. Cool. We're in the bike. We're in the bike world, right? You know, oh, bikes and racing. You can't take <laughs> things too seriously. We're all just having fun on two wheels. So it's great. <laughs> well, another hat you wear is you are one of the original board members of the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations! Why was it important for you to put in the work for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, no, this is this is a great question, especially with, you know, we're going to be announcing the, the next class of inductees here coming up. Um, it, it seems silly and, you know, it's we joke, you know, within the board all the time, you know, like, oh, the Hall of Fame and, and stuff. But for me, it was most important because I feel like, again, I've been racing gravel for 10 plus years now. Um, which is still, you know, nowhere near to what other people have been doing, you know, and the the, the people who start, first started some of these races. But I, you know, just in my 10 years, I've seen this huge transition happen. 
And there's so many more new people coming into the sport. And there's, you know, of course, you know, more pros and more competitive racing happening and, and just more events popping up all over the place. Um, and it, it just felt like a lot of those stories were being lost. Um, you know, like when I was coaching one of a uh, women's camp somewhere, I kind of was talking about Rebecca Rush and when somebody raised their hand and they're like, who's Rebecca Rush? And to me, that was just like, Oh my gosh, like, of course people don't, you know, they don't have that history um, or haven't, you know, followed that history. And so having the hall of fame kind of help share those stories that maybe you know, these newer people coming into the sport haven't experienced, if we can help share those and kind of show how these different folks have paved the way um, for the rest of us to get out there and get to race, um, then that's, you know, I, I wanted to be a part of that. So, um, so it was really cool to get Rebecca Rush into the first, uh, you know, the inaugural uh, class of the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame and, and get to, you know, same with Christy Moan and, and share her story of being part of Unbound um, from, you know, the very early days, but more more importantly, her work in just kind of opening the doors for more people and just kind of welcoming people into gravel. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it was just making sure the stories were told, particularly, you know, some of the, the women's stories that, you know, often get overlooked because, you know, there's people... Uh, you know, just doing the work rather than kind of tooting their own horns. Um, so, yeah, that's really excited about it. And the one cool thing you mentioned, uh, Rebecca Rush, is she's actually the first person ever to be in the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame and the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame. Like, she's she is everywhere. Um, and, like, when we had her on the yeah. podcast, she's, like, got world championships in, like, kayaking or something crazy like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, yeah. she's... <laughs> She is in, and she's like a for, she's still like volunteers for the uh, National Forest Fire Service, like when there's fires yeah. near yeah. like her home. It's right. like, what doesn't she do? Yeah. And she's done like that. I, I did she a rod like race, Emmy, right? Yeah. 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 She, has a, she has an Emmy from her. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Like, that I remember is when we interviewed her for the Gravel Family podcast. <laughs> Just introducing her was like half the episode. <laughs> Just like this and this and this and this right. and this and this and kayaking ma- or yeah, kayaking Hall of Fame and this and this. Yeah, it was, what haven't you done? Yeah, it was crazy. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, like the the Hall of Fame is we're perver- preserving those stories and um, you know the the inductees that are going to be getting in this year. A lot of them are kind of unknown in some ways. A couple of them are are known and a couple of them are kind of not as well known. And that's kind of the whole point is, you know, like we may think of certain people for this race or this race or this event or but there there were people that came before that. And that's that's the whole point of preserving these stories and inducting these amazing people and and the original board members. Like a huge focus was it's like we need to focus on people and stories, and that's why it's been really cool to be a part of it. And you guys did a great job laying the groundwork in year <laughs> one, and now we're in year two. Uh, it's it's pretty yeah. special um, to start seeing where this is going to go. Yeah, and there's so many yeah, people exactly. who aren't in the hall of fame yet um you know i'll use your husband as a example Kristen. so i have had your husband's book the book of gravel cycling <laughs> on my bookshelf in my living room for the past few years and i never knew i was like oh nick legan okay like you know never paid too much attention to who it was and then i met him i believe at oh shoot, big sugar and i was like oh okay like 
had no idea, didn't put two and two together that he wrote the book. And also he works for Shimano. <laughs> like there's so many people who have this huge background in cycling who don't make it a big deal. Like they don't really talk about themselves like, hey, I, you know, helped lay the groundwork for what is happening now. They they don't talk about themselves very much. So there's so many people yeah. that just walk around at races like you have no idea how much work they've put into cultivating the sport. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. It's actually fun to walk around with Nick. Because he knows, he knows like all the stories, right? Or, you know, a, a lot of them. And so he'll be like pointing people out to me and being like, well, this guy started this thing or he like created the first like salsa warbird or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> and so it's these things where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like taking it all in. And it's like, wow, there's so much out here that I just like, I feel like I'm tuned into it, but I still have no idea, you know, all any of the majority of those stories and, and impacts that people are making. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool to, to be a part of it. And, and once you start listening to the stories, it's really special. Yeah. That's, that's honestly been one of the best parts of this podcast is yeah. like, just yeah. like, I th- like being reminded that you did the tour de France thing. Like that's like, I knew that, but then like, Oh, I'm talking <laughs> with this person that did this epic thing that people remember, you know, it's like, and that's happened so many times of like, Oh, that was yeah. you that's crazy (laughs) like this is it's so it's it's pretty cool to like and then Sophia kind of mentioned it is like people in gravel are generally very humble and so it's like they don't like talking about this themselves and so when we get them on the podcast it's like they're forced to talk about themselves (laughs) and it's like oh yeah like you need to be proud of all these things that you've done and like same with you like you've done a lot of epic things that I hope you're very proud of because it's it's pretty yeah special. for sure no it's fun to talk about it like I kind of forget about those things too like I completely forgot about the rev tour and then was like telling the story and it's like oh yeah I should probably mention that that's a good one so <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's nice you know again like thank you for having these podcasts because it is one of those things where we don't uh, a lot of us don't share those stories but they can be so impactful you know like there's so many people that i've learned from and just been inspired by from listening or you know or talking to them on their story so i think it's really important to share these and, and it's always nice to get it straight from the you know from the person themselves and, and how they felt during those experiences so um so thank you guys it's been huh. fun to listen along Oh, yeah. you're welcome. Well, you have obviously, you know, had a front row seat in a lot that has happened over the years in gravel cycling. You've also been a huge supporter of diversity in cycling and this sport of gravel cycling. Uh, what are some of the highlights that you've seen and where do you think the next steps are going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's an important question. Um, I do think that gravel, you know, from from the beginning, it's been a more open and, and welcoming um, sport than maybe some other traditional event or uh, t- sides of cycling. Um, and I think, you know, events are doing a really good job of, of trying to like go out there and, you know, welcome people and say, you know, we, we want you to come and, and be part of this event, whether it's a race or a ride or, you know, a cycling group. Um, so I do think that like being proactive and going out there and saying like, we want you here, like, please, like, what can we do to help you get here? You know, what is it, whether it's, you know, helping somebody actually make that trip or, you know, just having people, you know, help in, in setting things up. Um, so I do think that the events are doing a great job and we're just having conversations. And I think that's a really important part of it because it's, um, it's, it's easy just to think that it'll all change if we just sit back and, you know, let, let the world kind of evolve as it is. But, um, but that's too slow. You know, we, we need to 
be proactive out there and really start um, continue to kind of open those doors and, and welcome people in and just make sure that people feel feel safe and welcome. Um, and I think that's a really important thing, but a lot of events are, are doing a really good job of that. Um, and so it's exciting to see that kind of shift with gravel, um, particularly, I think is leading the way with that. Well, obviously, you know, it's a group effort and it's not just on the athletes. It's not just on race promoters. Brands also have a huge part in creating and cultivating diversity. Um, what are some brands that you see doing incredible things in, and I guess for the community? Mm, that's a, yeah, that's a good one. Um, whew, brands. There's, a, I mean, a lot of them are are trying, and it's it's a delicate balance, right? Like it's it's a tough, um, just making sure you're doing things in an appropriate way, and that's something that's like actually making a difference rather than just you know making your brand look good. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of brands are are battling with right now. Um, but I, you know, one brand that's always done a really good job, I think, is Perlazumi. Um, and it, over the past few years, they've been kind of leading the way and being really outspoken about that. Um, uh, another one is uh, Velocio. I think is they've done a great job of just continuing to beat that drum and, and keep that going. Um, but again, like I'm gonna you know talk about Gravel Worlds and some of the the initiatives that you guys have done in terms of a brand or an, an event. Um, I think you guys have been doing an incredible job of just bringing more people into your event and, and really helping them feel um, part of the community. And I think that's, that's a huge part, um, whether it's a brand or an event or just us, you know, a person out there writing and, and being supportive no matter who it is that's writing next to you, to you. No, thank, thanks for saying that. Um, that means a that means a lot coming from you, so I appreciate it. So what yeah. your uh, your check will go through now for saying nice things about us. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Signed and cleared. Signed and cleared. No, uh, that right, means a lot. Right. And, Good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I mean, ultimately, that mentality was just cemented into the culture of the event by our founder Corey Godfrey, and then the Pirate Cycling League founder uh, Craig Schmidt, like. Um, we're celebrating 15 years with Pirate Cycling League and it's just been fun. Wild. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, and just wow. the messages that have been sent into in us of like, yeah, I did one of your events in 2011 and <sighs> like you, it was the first time I felt welcome and all this stuff. And it's like, again, that kind of not to circle back to the Hall of Fame, but that's another really important thing mm-hmm. about those, yeah. especially those first people in the Hall of Fame, Corey. Um, our founder was one of those, but all those people in the hall of fame, like the one thing that made them so special is from day one, it was community above sport. And that's one thing that's been so special to me about gravel. And we're trying to, um, take that same culture into gravel running and pushing gravel running and, and all that stuff. But just those hall of famers, that's at their core is the community is number one. Mm-hmm. It's not about the results. It's not about how big your race is. It's not how many dollars you have, whatever it's, it's like, how did you better other people's lives? And I, I right. feel like that's what makes gravel special to me, but you, and you've exactly. had a front row seat for a lot of that, which is pretty cool that you've gotten to see it too. It is. Yeah. It's <clears throat> super cool to get to see it and to see the transitions happening too. You know, like change isn't always bad, right? Like we're, we're seeing a lot of changes and there's, there's always a good and a bad side to that. Um, and it's, but it is what it is. Um, and I think that as long as we just continue to keep that, that kind of, uh, mindset of, 
you know, being open and, and welcoming people, um, that's what's going to just keep gravel moving forward and, and being the, the really special thing that it is today. That's awesome. So what what are your goals or hopes for gravel in the next 10 years? Like if you're looking in the future, like what's something you mm-hmm. hope happens? Oh, you know, I think we have some really great races. I'd love to see some different, um, like just a continuing ev- evolution of types of terrain, types of races, types of rides and group rides that are out there. Um, so I'd love to see, you know, just kind of continuing to open up new locations as well. You know, I'm located in the West, um, and a lot of our, at least my experiences, a lot of the races and rides that I've done are are out here. I'd love to see, you know, continuing to grow out on the East, you know, maybe the Southeast and getting more, more and more events going or, you know, having more people attend those events. I know there are some great ones out there, um, because I think that the more that we experience other people's, you know, locations, cultures, what, you know, what's their home riding like, the better, you know, we all can be, whether it's, you know, creating better um, equipment for it, that's, that makes it nicer, safer, better to ride. Um, or if it's just, a you know, kind of understanding what people are coming from um, in terms of their, their relationship with gravel. So I'd love to see, you know, just continuing that, that kind of growth, getting more people of course you know getting more people into riding gravel would be great um but also i I do think that there's and maybe this is me particularly because i'm focused on racing still and like coaching racing and i personally race but just riding gravel you know i think that's a, a good reminder that not everything needs to be competitive or we don't always need to like line up with a race number on it can be about going out with friends and um, you know, exploring the, the, the town that you live in or the location that you're visiting. Um, and so just really focusing on just like, what does that riding experience bring to, to each rider? Um, and, and just focusing on that. So, um, yeah, I think just more people, more, more bikes, more people, more places to ride. That's always (laughs) pretty, pretty easy. I think, uh, so I've recently discovered the race Rock Cobbler. I had no (laughs) idea that race existed. And I think that's a really good example of what you just talked about, of just like making gravel Mm -hmm. fun. Like the fact that these, this race went through someone's house, these (laughs) cyclists actually rode their bike through a house. Like that is gravel at its core. That's Mm -hmm. what gravel should be like. Or like, uh, was it? rooted vermont last year which i don't think is mm-hmm. happening this year but they had like a bubble pit or something yeah. that you had to ride through right. or, or whatever <laughs> yeah it's just like just be have fun like yes. it's um yeah, yeah I, yeah just have a good time like make gravel fun stop making it so serious yeah. sometimes like it's You're okay right. it's I- okay to celebrate really fast and the peak of human performance, but like ultimately gravel is fun. Like that's what it's about. Dare I say that's the yeah. spirit of Ooh. gravel. Oh, man. I think we just, I think we just felt what it, uh, what can't getting canceled feels like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No. Uh, no. So um, before we go, Sophie always has one last question, but I personally wanted to thank mm-hmm. you, Kristen, for everything you've done for gravel. Um, appreciate your friendship and, and you're you you're 
level-headed wisdom that you seem to have all the time. So um, appreciate you as an athlete and as a person. So uh, before we go, Sophia always has one last question. Yes. Well, Kristen, it's been so nice talking to you, but we do have that one last question. So what does the Gravel family mean to you? Oh, this is such a hard, I was trying to think about this and like, what should I answer here? And it's so hard because, you know, the gravel family, I mean, it says it in, in the word it's, it's family, right? Like these are the people we choose to spend our time with and to be a part of and, um, and listen to and, and hear stories from. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's family. It's, it's what makes, you know, makes me happy and it's what I want to share with people, um, as they start their journey into, you know, gravel and in cycling in general. So, um, That's so yeah, beautiful. I don't have a, I don't have a, a witty or, you know, exciting answer. It's just, it, it makes my heart happy and that's cheesy as that sounds, but, um, but it really does. So thank you guys. That's what it's all about. It's simple, but yeah, <laughs> we totally get it. We totally get it too. So I love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. And where um, where are we going to see you this year for races? What races are you going to be at? Um, I only have one race on my calendar right now, and it is Unbound XL. So I will be out at Unbound for sure. Um, and then beyond that, I haven't figured that out. I have a big bikepacking adventure planned, but I Ooh. am not ready to talk about it yet. So Ooh, <laughs> a I'm, secret bikepacking trip. Ooh, no, okay. I just haven't. <laughs> I am not convinced. I'm, I, yeah, I just, it's, this is a big scary thing for me and I'm not sure I'm going to actually do it or not. So I don't want to like put it out there and be like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing and then not do it. So, um, but more bikepacking for me for, for sure. Just taking the season awesome. off a little bit. Um, yeah. So, well, we cannot yeah. wait to follow all of your adventures yet to come. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. All right, we'll see you, Kristen. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. I'm Kristen. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We will see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.